Welcome to the Benakiba Connects podcast, a podcast exploring the challenges and transformational technology in the insurance industry. Join us as we talk about industry issues and the technology, tactics, and tools that will help your business become a beneficiary-first company. We are on a mission to help our clients become customer-centric in their approach to claims management with powerful processes, customer experiences, and technology. Now, here's your host, Ashley Oxholm. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Benakiva Connects podcast. I am your host, Ashley Oxholm, and I have the pleasure of having Ryan Deeds from Enable with us today. How are you doing, Ryan? I'm awesome. Glad to be on here with you. Thank you. Ryan is coming in from Nashville, Tennessee. So, Ryan, let's just dive in, and why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? All right. So... I, I've spent the last 20 years helping insurance agencies do more with data. And typically it's been inside the, inside the agency, right? So I started 2002 with an agency out of Florida. They were about 7 million in revenue. I got brought on as a system administrator and very quickly got into the data side for them as we were hitting recession and retraction and all this stuff. So spent 10 years there really under, and it was badass because those, <clears throat> that team brought me in not as a plumber, but as somebody that could really try to understand the business, the business problems behind it. And and that was so instrumental into my understanding of the business problems that agencies face. And so that's set in motion kind of my technological strategy that's carried through. And and then moved to Nashville, worked with an agency that was about 24 million in revenue for five years, then went to doing the same stuff, data strategy. How do we get value out of data? What does that even mean? You know, what's the myths and how do we actually make it work? And that was absolutely the best leadership team. I, I just love that team so much. Like we did so much good stuff there from culture, from technology, adoption, really changing, and get, it, getting engagement and then driving innovation. And through both of those posts, I'd kind of made a, a very small name for myself and got invited to join AssureX Global, which is a conglomerate of, you know, 112. He's across sure. the world and did data strategy and technology consulting for them. And then two years ago, I got invited to join Enable. Kabir Saeed had started it. He'd come from the risk match world and he was like, hey, we want to try to really drive value and data to agencies. And it just resonated with my heart. And I said, I can't miss the opportunity. I get to be a part of a startup. It's in the insurance space and I I get to help people with data. And so my heart is with the agencies. I I love the struggle that they go through and I love to to at least give my opinion on how they, they might be able to net value out of the different things they're doing. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit about what exactly Enable is and what they do. So I mean, Enable has a really the the primary value that agencies get out of Enable is instant access to clean data so they can make strategic decisions. You know, we help them understand what kind of industries they're writing, what kind of cross-sell opportunities are missing, how spread out their carrier, you know, their carrier volume is. Uh, And for associations, for acquiring agencies, it makes it really easy for them to do due diligence on new agencies, right? They can put our software in place, see exactly what the premium volume is, revenue volume is, what carrier relationships, what lines of coverage, what industries they have. And that's all coming through our system being clean, normalized, straightened up, because many times the, the operational overhead it takes an agency to keep its data correct 
it, 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 it's too much. And so many times agencies don't have the data maturity inside their systems to be able to net that kind of wisdom, I would say. So we help bring wisdom to agencies through their data. Absolutely. Now, that sounds awesome because I, I've been in this industry for quite a while. And, you know, I started out on the claim side of a large carrier. And, and data is one of those words that you just you hear all of the time. And there's so much of it. And I have found that carriers simply just don't know what to do with all of the data. And, and this speaks really heavily to some of the struggles that they go through with that. Absolutely. Well, and the word data just drives me crazy because, you know, as a data professional, I think most people that have lived and breathed that, you know, when when most people say data, they actually think about the end result of making decisions and changing strategy because they saw a piece of information that they trusted and they said, yes, we're going to go do that. That when they say data, that's what they mean. When I hear data, what I think is access, normalization, correction, augmentation, how do we visualize? Is my consumer mature? Do they have the analytical maturity to take that information, make decisions with it? And so there's such a journey from, you know, data to value. And and so I get really kind of twerked about, because you do, data is a new gold mine. I, well, I mean, is it really though? It, it's, it's really, I, I, there's such a leap between getting data and then using it effectively. That's a journey that every company just goes through forever, I think. Absolutely. As a chief revenue officer, when I hear the word data, I'm thinking of evidentiary information that is there to make, help me make decisions. So by the time I'm seeing it, it has been analyzed and cleaned in and I'm ready to make decisions. But that's just you know, that is not the case for everyone within the industry. And I think all carriers and, and tech companies as well really struggle to, to utilize data in the way that it's meant to be used. Well, I think we have a leg up as a startup, right? As, as startups, we get to kind of come from a fresh slate where these guys have been in business for hundreds of years and have all these processes and all this other stuff. And I think the promise of value of data has been a carrot that's been dripped out there for decades and people have invested massive amounts of energy and effort into that, not been able to return, get a return result that they feel is, you know, in line, the ROI is not there at the end of the day in a lot of cases. Yeah. And so we're kind of seeing this second wave of folks saying, okay, we, we really need to, bigger agencies are weaponizing this. We need to get on board with this. We need to start doing more with this. So we're seeing a lot, a big, heavy drive and push for agencies of all sizes to leverage and understand how they can use it. Absolutely. So I'm going to backtrack a little bit. You did tell us a little bit about yourself, but we ask this question to everyone because no one intentionally ends up in insurance. So how did you end up in insurance? So this is, everybody's got a story. And so, you know, I was working at Tropicana Orange Juice and I'd been there for, as a system administrator. I'd been there for about a year and a half. I was a contractor through one of the, the, the recruiting firms. <clears throat> they were about to hire two people on full time. And I felt like I, I deserved it. I was kicking it, kicking ass there, doing a lot of good stuff. All my reviews were positive. I just had a new baby, all this pressure. And so I come into work that day and I didn't get it And it. And I'm an emotional dude. I cry all the time. I just emotionality is part of me. It, it, and I love it actually. And so I broke down crying. It just broke my heart. Go home the next day and go home that evening. And I was so upset that my boss actually called my wife at the time and was like, is he okay? Did he make it home? But I started applying for jobs that night and ended up sending a resume to Linear Upshaw, which is a firm in Florida that I started with. And okay. 
pretty soon after that, they hired me on board and I was able to go to Tropicana and say kind of, hey, you missed out. <laughs> but it's funny because that one incident, I think about that bad day a lot and how much good in my life has come from that one bad day. And that has really set kind of a cornerstone from a philosophical perspective, right? When we go through hard days now, I can kind of look and say, I have no idea what the ripple effect of this bad day is going to be, but typically it's a positive. Oh, absolutely. I, you know, I tell people I went into nonprofit management. That's what I studied at school. I wanted to save the world through nonprofits. And I, I graduated college and it turned out I was very bad at working on the social work side of things and nonprofits didn't pay. And so I got a job because I needed to pay the bills processing claims for an insurance carrier. And it was challenging because there's PNC claims. And that was just the startup of my career. And after that, I ended up, I took a job in Boston and in graduate school and all of that. But I think about all of the choices in the path that led me you know, to that. And I was so, I had no direction at the time. And, and now I'm here and I love what I do. And I love being in this industry and I don't, I don't want to ever leave it, which I think is a common perspective that a lot of people within the insurance industry have is like, I never knew I would like this so much, but it's a good industry to be in. I think it's funny, you know, as we get to be grown and I, as I have my children growing, those decisions, those choices that we make, right? Those those things that we constantly have to decide as an adult, it, it, it becomes more heavy, more weighty as you see like the impact of those decisions earlier on. And I'm watching my, you know, 20, 21 year old kind of go through this process where she's discovering all these choices that she have to make. And sometimes, you know, it's like, man, I, I wish that somebody else could drive that bus for me. Can I put this on autopilot a little bit, you know? And I'm, I'm glad we mm -hmm. don't, but some days it'd be nice, you know, to, to be able to say, if I make this choice, what happens? If I make that choice, what happens? We can't, we just got to roll the dice and kind of do it, right? Absolutely. I tell my husband all the time, if I could go back in time and find you sooner, I it would just literally stop what I was doing at that moment and run to Boston. But you had to go through all of these different choices and heartbreaks and, and challenges and failures. I cannot sure. believe how much my life has been riddled with failure and so much success. Yeah, I mean, you know, heck, I think about the BI projects and all the data projects I've had. You know, I've probably done 80 in my life, right? And probably I'm proud of about 10, <laughs> you know, because, because 70 of them were learning experiences. And, and I mean, I'm glad I had those because I think wisdom is compounded failure with success over time that you actually learn from, right? That's kind of where wisdom comes from on a personal level. Absolutely. I tell my team all the time, if we make a mistake or if we do an error, we own it, we do what we can to correct it. And next time we fail better. That's right. That's right. So. Yeah. And that's the culture that you want to have in an environment too, because you want those people. That's where innovation comes from too, right? If you have a culture that is not, that is so afraid of making mistakes and they get crucified for making mistakes that you kill innovation immediately because nobody's going to do anything different. And so, and I saw that at Crichton heavily as we kind of drove towards innovation, we had to raise our ability to accept failures from everybody and really figure that out. And how do we, how do we, make that a part of our culture, you know, and that was an important piece of it. Absolutely. When we talk to carriers and, and a lot of times we get to this point that we call our assessment phase where we're going in and we're talking to these carriers and we're seeing all of the things they do. There's this sense of shame and embarrassment at all of their systems and all of their manual workaround processes and they're like, all the things that they consider dirty laundry. And I'm like, there's no reason for shame. Every carrier on the planet has this. The thing is now you're looking towards innovation. You're looking for moving that 
that forward and, and making your claims and servicing better for your members. That's something to be proud of. You did the best you knew before. Now you're doing better. Like it's something well, to be celebrated. Yeah. And I think it brings up a good point because how many, you know, how many times have I gone into a situation where I've said, you know, you analyze current state and you say, okay, based on where we are current state, we're, we, to get to future state, we want to do X, Y, and Z. Sometimes individuals that hear that will say, well, God, that means that everything that we did before is wrong. And you think that all this is in, no, not at all. That's why I think when new employees come in, they need to really understand how we got to where we are before they start offering crazy pieces of advice on what we need to do. I love an employee that comes in, spends a month, two months understanding, all right, this is where we are. This is how we got there. Because that's going to allow them to understand how that boat navigates and where we're going to head and what changes actually have to happen to enact change. And so I love trying to figure out how do we move forward without crucifying ourselves for, for the things we've done in the past. Absolutely. I love it when we bring on a new hire and they're just putting in their effort and they're like, I don't know, but I'm going to try. I'm like, great. I'm so glad you're on my team because that's where that's at. So shifting gears a little bit, what do you see as some of the major pain points within the insurance industry today? I mean, I think that we still deal with with some of the things we've dealt with forever. How do we get quick, you know, access to quotes that we need? How do we get client experience driven kind of cultures? How do we how do we do more with our people and get them in the right spots, right? Get them to do more engaged work. I mean, the the major issues are their workplace, right? How do we attract talent? That's probably the number one issue that everybody talks about. And in my opinion, you know, technology does assist with that. You know, if you can Absolutely. come in and you have to do manual work, that's hard. Where if I can put you in really engaged work that's really driving value, you understand your impact because we have technology that's taking off some of the rote process there. It, that is, that's something that can really help. And so, you know, I think that the other thing that I see in agencies all the time is there's so much noise out for them, even this podcast, right? I mean, we're competing with 30 other podcasts. We're trying to get ears and we're trying to bring wisdom to these folks. And today it seems like there is so much noise out there. There's 500 conferences they got to go to. There's 700 talking heads that are all gurus. And, you know, I, I, I'm definitely not a guru. I'm a person that has some experiences and my, my life is my perceptions limited to that. Right. And so I just hope I can share that, but those are like big core strategic issues that I see, obviously making sure your carriers are doing well, making your carrier relationships are well, what's the environment of insurance regulation, you know, are, are we in a hard market, soft market? I mean, those kind of kind of macroeconomic trends are always going to affect the agency space and keep things in mind. Um, and then, yeah, I think people get caught up in shiny ball syndrome and, you know, trying to do too many things at one time. Those are some of the, just the, the, the large and small issues that I see. Absolutely. And, and jumping back a little bit to what you were saying about, you know, getting quality workers within the industry, you know, that is something that we, these are conversations we've had with carriers because, you know, within Akiva and our single platform, it gives people the ability to, to process claims in, in one place and anytime, anywhere, any device, they can do it on their cell phone. And, and quite frankly, that is the environment that these newer generations are expecting. You put them in front of multiple screens and a black screen. I remember my first day processing claims and it's been a while now and it hasn't changed that much in the last 15 years since I've done it. But you know, you've got a black screen that looks like something that came out of the 80s that you're right. pulling information from. And so I think that is a 
a key thing on on recruiting and and getting those quality workers in is is utilizing that technology and understanding their expectation for the environments that they're going to work in. Yeah, man, I think, and so like data, it comes back to data to me because like my, my 10 year old, right. She likes social media and we do social media together on TikTok and she will instantly look at stats. You know, what's the engagement rate? What's the percentage? You know, how is this going? I mean, that is data that she's using me. I was playing like Nintendo at 10 years old, right? Like duck hunt, duck hunt was like the thing, man. We had the little glass gun. And so it's so in line with what you're saying, because these, these, especially this generation that's young right now, they are digital natives, man. And they, they are, their expectations when they hit that workforce is you got to have good stats. You get, help me understand how I'm impacting this because that's what the stats on social media are, right? You put something out, it gets 500 likes. I had an impact. I feel that I get a little uh, dopamine hit from there. Yeah. How as an employer, do we help drive that kind of experience? for our employees, and it really does start with kind of data strategy, engage with HR engagement and all that. But it's just such an interesting thing. I raised a 20 year old and now I have a 10 year old and they're very different people, very Mm -hmm. different expectations on technology. Oh, absolutely. I have a four-year-old, a two-year-old, and a one-year-old, and we actually do significant screen time limiting. I mean, my my kids live on a farm, so, but my four-year-old, by the time he was three, could FaceTime his grandparents. And I was having to teach his grandparents how to (laughs) accept a FaceTime. So, yeah, there's just a a huge difference. You you just can never see the ripple effects. Like, I haven't been a real big, I I don't limit screen time much because I'm a tech. We use tech all the time. It's more about transparency. What are you going into? But what I found was by five, because of Roblox, my kid could read like no tomorrow. Like, she was reading. And she is the fastest typer in her class. And she's proud. She comes home like last week and is like, yeah, we had a typing kind of test today and I killed it, you know, and her comprehension on the reading has been so significant. And so like you see these weird and obviously there are negatives because she's more worldly than I would want her to be at 10. But, you know, there's good and bad with it. You got to help them understand, at least from my parenting perspective, right, which is not right or wrong, but it's mine. I have to help her navigate all the crap that's out there, find value. How do we stay away from negative spaces? How do we find mm-hmm. the positive spaces to exist in? You know? Absolutely. So I just kind of, I want to jump forward a little bit. You you know, you're, we're talking about focusing on, I mean, just overwhelmed by the noise. Our, mm-hmm. our carriers, our agencies are overwhelmed by the noise. You mentioned multiple podcasts and, and it brought to mind something. My, one of my Harvard professors said to me, you know, he said, in a corporation, you have to prioritize, you know, within your organization, the things, or you will literally never get anything done. Do you want to do a ton of things average or worse, or do you want to, to focus on a couple of things and do them extremely well? And we have those conversations a lot with our carriers and saying like, hey, you know, in our perspective, you really want claims and servicing to be one of those things you do very well. One, there's it's a regulatory requirements. There's a lot of fines that can can be imposed. We've read all about the carriers that have been fined millions of dollars on top of millions of dollars for not paying out claims the way that they should. So can you speak a little bit to that, uh, just a little bit more on, on what that looks like from your perspective, from the data perspective? Can, can rephrase that just a little bit for the question for me, just a little bit. So with so yeah, let me put it this way: If carriers are are looking to to utilize enable 
for, for I instance. I yeah, got you. Like, I got you. Yeah. No, I run into this all the time too, right? I'll have, because generally, I mean, I'm not, a, I've never sold anything before. Now I'm in a sales position. And so my goal is to help that agency understand what needs to move them forward. So a lot of times they'll come and they'll be like, hey, we heard about Enable. And I'm like, all right, well, let's talk through operations. And their operations are a mess. They've got 10 different projects going on. I'm like, this is not the time. Like if you put this in place today, you're not going to have the operational time to net the value out of it for you. And, and then you're going to blame us. And it's, it's not, you know, we have to have self-awareness enough to understand root cause. And so, yeah, I try to make sure that I understand exactly how many things they have going on. I would always tell them to slow down. I really tell them when they're looking at technological investment, don't look at it unless you have five core problems that that investment's going to solve. Because how do you determine if it's successful or not, right? Like I have this issue, this issue, this issue, this. Now you have your evaluation criteria to go out and look at solution. That's not generally the way it's done. Hey, Bob told me about this thing that you have. I'd like to see it. Okay, great, right? But I there's no metrics. That's right. And the best way to do it is say, these are the pain points that we have to be able to be solved. And then I, like you said, identify those priorities for my agencies. We would handle that by something called the soul sucking task list. And so all of my managers had to have five soul sucking tasks for their departments. And then we would look at, and soul sucking tasks is high volume, low value tasks that drive our employees crazy, that don't net a lot of value. Because now I can create an innovation kind of roadmap to solve those issues with buy-in from the employees that bring that forward, right? And so I think if you can kind of slow down, make sure you understand your pain points, put your roadmap aligned with those pain points, you're going to have, and then, and then take your time on implementation, determine what does success look like after six months? What does failure look like? Communicate that ahead of time. And then as you go through it, make sure you're communicating that because then your people won't get change management like reticence, right? You bring something in, you remove it five months later. The next time you bring something in, they're going to be a lot less likely to embrace it because they think you're going to remove it. If you can start setting these expectations, it starts clearing up a lot of that, those issues. Absolutely. And I got to say, I'm going to use your soul sucking tasks and I'm going to use that going forward. Don't worry, I'll give you all the credit for it because we run into that a lot when we're talking about, you know, just the claims process for a lot of our carriers. So where do you see the insurance industry heading in the next five years? I mean, I think obviously we're, we're seeing a continue, right? We're almost seeing like the decimation of mid-market. Now, what I will say is those agencies that still exist in the mid-market space want to remain independent, have chosen to go that path where before it, it, it just kind of happened. But now if you've been a good shop and you're still independent, you, you've been offered a lot of money and you've said, no, we want to go this direction. So with those individuals at the helm that want to remain independent and drive forward, we're seeing real innovation happen because obviously they have a vested interest to dr make some significant change long term. I think, you know, it's always the, the carrier relationships and agency relationships are always going to be challenging. I feel like we'll, our ability to send clients, get quote requests, stuff like that will be made simpler. But I think agencies should really be focused on, like you said, the client experience. What does that look like? How does, how do you differentiate? You know, how do I choose what I'm going after? If agencies are writing everything under the sun, what's the value proposition of the client base that they're offering? And if they can't articulate that, why are you in business, right? You've got to be able to articulate those. And then I think buckling down. And like you said, pick one or two things a year, get your, get your stuff in place and, and work that don't get sidetracked, put everything else on the dream board because so many times we try to do so much and we just tread the wheel. Right. And so 
I mean, I, I don't know that that succinctly answers the issues, but those are where we're going to be. But I think we continue to iterate to get better in each one of those. And this this kind of version that we're in right now is really kind of cool. Absolutely. No, I, I agree with all the, of what you just said. So for our listeners now, whether they're, you know, agencies, carriers, just people interested about insurance, what what advice would you have for them? You know, I think I think when the, this, the, we're watching these synergies between agencies and carriers happen more and more, and the the better that the agency can work on and deliver data strategy to, you know, internally to kind of decide that they're going to see so much positive gain in their ability to communicate effectively with the carrier partners they want to have. It's yeah. a big difference when a carrier brings you their list of stuff and says, Hey, this is what you did. Let's put some volume quotas together and let's talk through where we want you to be. Or you come in and say, look, I've got 16 low performing carriers with the classes of business that you want to write on it. Here's the, the risks. You make it easy for us to see if you're going to take this, right? And then if that carrier can say, look, we're going to take 80% of that. Now, how do we operationally make it easy to do that book? Well, those are the kind of things that I think we're going to see happen. And that's where the bigger agencies are winning all day in their ability to do that. And a lot of that is they are using Enable to, to kind of do that. We're working with a bunch of associations and large agencies to bring that together so they can communicate proactively with those carriers for those opportunities. That's awesome. No, thank you so much. For our listeners, we're going to be having a webinar this Thursday where we're going to be talking a little bit more in depth about these things. So tune in. You can find these podcasts that are Benakiva Connects podcast page, as well as iTunes, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, all the places. Thank you for listening today. And Ryan, thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Thanks for joining us this week on the Benakiva Connects podcast. Make sure to visit our website, www.benakivaconnects.com slash podcast, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in the show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes. Or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. If you liked this show, you might want to check out a demo of our software. Simply go to www.benakiva.com and click request a demo. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode where we will continue setting the digital foundation for end-to-end -end claims and servicing transformation. <laughs>